Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. Anyway, so, my topic tonight is the same as it was this morning, and that is the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and I've called this message, fight right, or take a swipe. So let's look at the scripture, Uh, we're reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, the power, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, I love that. Sometimes you've just done everything and it all looks like it's gone to manure. But that's when you just stand. I've done that plenty of times. Stand firm then, choose buckle around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the verse of this evening, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the story of a helmet and a sword and the raising of a warrior. Now, innate in us, that means inside of us, there is a raw and undisciplined warrior that God wants to train and harness to become his soldier. We are fighters. And I thought I would support my assertion there by some recent examples, and one being that of a young man who lives in Hamilton, and his name is um, Benjamin Batherham. And he was in the paper recently because he had an experience three years ago. Three years ago was his birthday and he was having a bit of a shindy and his wife and his seven-month-old daughter probably had had enough so they went next door and him and his mate kicked on till the early hours of the morning and Ben heard a noise in his home and he went to investigate and somebody had intruded. That somebody he found in his seven-month-old daughter's bedroom. We can imagine how he felt about that. And in his hand, in the intruder's hand, was his wife's handbag. And of course, the uh, intruder ran upon seeing Ben, and this intruder was really very big, and there were a few other details that aren't really pertinent to the story. Great big young bloke, and off he talked. And Ben took after him, and he's going to kill this boy, you know, that's what he was saying. Anyway, he caught him, 
and hanging down on the ground and there was a kerfuffle and the police were called and you know the police had trouble getting him off this young man very sadly the young man died during this experience and Ben was charged with murder and it's taken three years before the trial came to court and he's just been acquitted either earlier this week or uh, late last week and so that's an example of how much we will fight if we're impinged upon another example might be watch a mother or a father or an adult when a child is at risk there's no holds barred we are going to go in and do what needs to be done we are fighters and we don't fight for a little while we fight until the war is won and Ben chased that guy down and until he was subdued there was no way that he was letting him go so the warrior is definitely within and in fact uh, neuroanatomy tells us that our brains are wired for survival which sets us up to fight when we are threatened in any way any whiff of danger and the brain will set off the alarm and we all have a different set point for that that's entirely interesting but not pertinent to tonight and we will position ourselves to fight now the fight in us begins when we're very young as we vie for resources and you've all heard it that is my toy they are my chips that is my mother we also and they fight to have their needs met i want food and you'll see the fight in a child to get food when they need it and this fight is practiced over the lifetime it doesn't leave when we you know become a little bit more attuned to what's going on we do fight and we've become quite adept at fighting because of the practice that we've had we fight for our wants and our needs and personal injustices. We fight an enemy. And the enemy is anybody that we perceive is threatening us. They want to take something for it from us, they want to attack us in some way, or they upset our well-being. So we are warriors because we instinctively know that we're incredibly vulnerable. We are vulnerable to destruction. One punch in the wrong area, wrong part of your body, you will die. Um, no food, you will die. No water, you will die. We're incredibly vulnerable and we know that and it's this vulnerability that the brain is wired to avert, to keep us surviving. So we've learned to fight and I'm going to call this kind of fighting that I've been describing as taking a swipe. Now when we take a swipe, we are lashing out at whatever first presents itself or appears as our enemy, whatever that is. And we fight in various ways and in the only ways that we know how. And some of those examples are we might defend ourselves, we might adopt a defensive posture in order to fight back, we might fight for survival by protecting ourselves, we might hunker down and endure an attack, like that poor woman in the cafe who was just viciously attacked she hunkered down to protect herself we might overtly fight by attacking others that's my favorite version so we proactively go for them we attack them we hunt them down 
Um, or we avoid the fight altogether in order to survive and we run the other way. So we've got lots of ways that we will fight for survival. In this kind of fight, our warrior weapons are this. They are our words that we might use unkindly or viciously or sarcastically. They are our fists. They are non-verbal communication, such as our body language, and that is very clear communication, as you all know, or tactic use, such as exclusion. These are the things that we fight with when we take a swipe. And I was thinking about our uniform, and the first image that came to my mind was the typical, stereotypical Aussie. And I even saw the zinc on the nose. The zinc on the nose, the thongs, the shorts, the skirt, or the dress, ladies. And on our heads, we wear a cap or a sun hat, hardly the gear for a fight, I was thinking. See, the problem with this kind of taking the swipe fighting is that it depends on our senses. Now, our physical senses are set up so that we can interpret our environment. We live in a very sensory world. Our senses, at least our external ones, detect what's going on in the environment, send those messages to the brain. The brain then searches its library of sensory information, compares what's happening to what's happened in the past, and determines whether an attack is imminent, whether there is any danger. And if there is, of course, our brain will prepare us to fight, and that's what's likely to occur if we detect uh, a threat. Other times, which are not as impulsive as that, we may have experienced an incident and then we start thinking about it later. Ever done that? Hang on a minute. What did that person think? No, I don't think that was right, actually. That was actually quite sarcastic. Have you ever done that? And then you, you begin to slowly change your posture. And this kind of attack starts slowly. What, what do we do? We begin to tense our bodies without even realising it. We actually start to get a little bit stony in the heart and we whip up an angry or defensive or attacking demeanour and then we wait. We wait till we see that person again. And then we might launch an attack, either a covert or overt one, in one way or another. So our fighting consists of our fleshly interpretation of the situation, using our fleshly weapons and our Aussie fighting gear. And these all come together to create or maintain safety, or so that's what we think. But this is raw, undisciplined and aimless fighting that arises from our own wisdom. This is taking a swipe. Now, this kind of fighting is nowhere near the kind of fighting that the Bible talks about. Now, the Bible agrees with this fighting idea. It quite likes it. It urges us to become soldiers. It outlines the difference, however, between the right way to fight and the wrong way to fight. Both are destructive, but they destroy different targets. So in order to fight right, we need to gather some discipline. And we need to learn from the master. So, 
fighting right is completely different to taking a swipe in a few respects. The first one is fighting right has its foundation in faith. Now, detection of the enemy doesn't depend on our senses and the information that it sends to our brain to decide whether there's a threat or not. Now, this idea of not reacting to our neural impulses is very strange to us. It's foreign because we have successfully navigated the world for years based on what our senses tell our brain and how our brain interprets that. And here we all stand to prove that. We're still here. And so, you know, our, we learn that this is what keeps us safe. These signals we've come to rely on. But when it comes to fighting right, our sensory signals will lead us to problems in the direction of the fight. And another way that taking a swipe differs from fighting right is in the way we dress. Our discipline then extends to what we wear. When have you ever seen an army that is dressed in casual clothing and each to the wardrobe of their choice? That not only looks modelly, it just does not create unity in any way. And perhaps a little bit of competition in who's got the coolest dress on, perhaps. So we can no longer just wear our Aussie fighting gear of t-shirt and thongs. We need to don the armour that God has given us. And this series has been all about putting on that armour. And so I don't need to repeat all of that. But for tonight, we're going to discuss the helmet of salvation as part of our armour and then the sword of the spirit. So Jim was uh, speaking on the same lines as the way I was thinking about the helmet. And our first thought regarding a helmet is to protect our head against a blow. Now, we wear them riding bikes, or those of you who ride a bike are very likely to wear one. Why? Because if we fall off, we don't damage our heads, we damage our helmet. So that makes sense, doesn't it? But when it comes to fighting right, I'm not sure that that's the application for the helmet. The helmet, I think, is all about protecting the mind. For years, we have practiced thinking the way that we want to think. Because obviously we think that way because we think it's a good way to think. So why would we change the way that we think? Our thoughts and processing have led us to the way that we live our lives. We're well practiced at preserving the way that we think. Just start to challenge the way somebody thinks and see what happens. The wise person will say, tell me more about that. But lots of people will immediately rise up and defend themselves because we like the way we think. So why does our mind need protecting? I think a clue to what this is all about is found in ownership of the helmet. Now, this is not the helmet of Lynn, that is not in scripture, but it is the helmet of salvation. So I've talked a lot about the mind from this pulpit, so I'm not going to repeat all of that, although I would dearly love to, it's a favorite topic. Um, but what I will say is that our mind is the first place where the battle might be won or lost entirely. 
in the mind is where the enemy is very successful at winning the battle because we're not very aware of what goes on in our minds. And the helmet of salvation is a picture to remind us not to just travel along with what our mind is telling us. It is, in other words, not allowing our mind to do whatever it wants to do. If we can personify the mind and separate it from ourselves a little bit, the mind does have an agenda of its own. So how do we fight right in our mind? So let's establish something from the outset. Minds will continue to, uh, to be filled with the results of what the senses tell us and how the brain interprets us, interprets it, and whether risk is present. That will all still happen because that's part of your processing. However, the big difference we see when wearing the helmet is that salvation comes into the interpretation of the information. By incorporating our salvation into the equation of interpreting the environment, it changes everything completely. Because before salvation, our spirits weren't alive and we were unaware of spiritual things. But now we are spiritually secure and spiritually aware. And so our understanding of what's going on is different and it might lead us to different conclusions about what is true and what is not true, what is just perceived. So this leads us to openness about who the enemy really is. And this is what God says about who the enemy is, despite what our brains and our minds tell us. Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is our enemy. Not that person that was mean to you. This, I think, is a bit difficult for us to understand because we are used to interpreting things physically with our physical senses, as I've said. The truth in Ephesians 6.12 identifies our enemy target. So using our natural senses alone, we are powerless to be able to detect a spiritual enemy. Not going to happen. You are not going to get it. You are not going to see it. Not going to happen. Useless. We're going to make errors if that's what we do. So the faith, if, if we can apply the faith to, to the scriptures and know that they are true, then we can act on the information contained in them. And we need to act on that information as though our well-being and our very lives depend on it. In other words, choosing to believe the scriptures rather than what our body tells us is the way to stay safe despite all our prior learning. Once we establish for ourselves that faith, we use faith to discern who the enemy is, we're ready to wield the sword. Now, fighting right differs from taking a swipe because we use different, different weapons now. And one that I love is the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. I'd like us to notice a few things about the sword. However, firstly, that the sword belongs to the spirit. Again, it's not Lynn's sword. I would love it to be mine. 
It's not. It's the sword belongs to the spirit. It's not my sword. It's not your sword. It only becomes my sword and your sword when you pick it up. And any child of God can pick up the sword and wield it with authority if you if you would like to. So how do we use this sword? So the sword is not designed to kill people at all. It's by every movie you've seen and people get chopped up. That's not what this sword is about. It's a way of destroying ideas and thoughts that attack our peace, our security and our sense of worth amongst other things. The sword attacks anything that is suggested to us that doesn't line up with the word of God. That's what that sword is about. The sword is an effective weapon because it has a double edge and it's even sharper than that to destroy untruth. That's what the sword destroys. Now, Bev, I know um, Jim alluded to this also today. Jim has x-ray eyes and he was watching me prepare this message, I'm sure. So Bev spoke very well about using the sword and how it can be misused. I'm not going to repeat that tonight, but I would urge you to listen to the podcast. It was most excellent. So the sword is an effective weapon because it's pure truth. That's it, it's pure. It's our only offensive weapon and by using it, we can attack and defend and just be protected, not rather than just be protected. This is where you get to hack at things. I like that place. So how does the sword attack and defend? It's in, I think the first thing that we really need to know is we need to know our word. We need to know the word of God. If, you, if that's the only thing you hear tonight, hear that. We need to know our word of God. The sword is the spirits. It's not ours until we pick it up, but we can only pick it up and use it if we know our word. Um, so I think the best way to illustrate this is the example that Jim gave with his x-ray eyes this morning. Um, Jesus did this very well when he was led into the desert for his 40, 40 days of fasting and torture. And you can read about it in Matthew uh, 4, 1 to 11 and also in Luke and Mark. So when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he quoted the word back at him, didn't he? And then what happened? Um, then, you know, the enemy was trying to lure Jesus by by roping him in because of how he felt, you know, are you hungry, you know, make these stones into bread. Jesus is like, no, but because the word says. So then the enemy thought, well, I'll just get a bit cleverer than that. Um, so he started quoting the word. The enemy started quoting the word. And so, you know, that can be a bit tricky if you don't know your word, right? So he started quoting the word Amiss. He was quoting it amiss. He was quoting it and using it incorrectly to try and tempt Jesus to lure him in to what the enemy was trying to do. And Jesus countered by a correct interpretation of the word. Know your word. Finally, the enemy decided to tempt Jesus with a pseudo kind of lordship. But again, he was defeated as Jesus wielded the sword of the word correctly. 
get to know the word. And I'll tell you why we need to know our word. Not only so that we can wield the sword, because the enemy knows the word. If the enemy knows the word better than you know the word, you're at a bit of a disadvantage here. We need to know our word. We must know the word. We must understand what it says. And we need to know how to wield it. Now, you can't know that like in the beginning. So this takes discipline, faith, training, and practice. And as I was thinking about this whole, because, you know, the sermon topic is helmet and sword, you know, protection and offence, not in the wrong way of saying offence, I thought, well, how do they work together? the helmet and the sword, and I found that interesting when I thought about it, I think they do work together. I think one without the other is not very effective. So the, if the helmet guards our mind, then, um, let me reframe that for a moment, we're going to get fucking words, because if our minds are not guarded by the helmet, they will not understand where the attack originated. Leading us to take a swipe in the wrong direction, using weapons that are powerless against the enemy and destructive to others and also destructive to ourselves. If the helmet is on though, we will by faith be directed to the correct target the target that God has identified for us. That's got to be a sure bet. So once this is the case, then we can pick up the sword that belongs to the spirit and fight right and effectively with minimal energy, I think, um, bringing destruction to the enemy, at the same time bringing liberation and freedom to ourselves and to others. So that's kind of a three-way deal, that one. Enemy destroy, freedom and liberty to me, and freedom and liberty to you. The enemy can't render us fightless. He can't. Not unless we let him. He can't render us fightless, but he can turn our heads to believe that other people are our enemy and not him. He wants to destroy others and ourselves by exhausting us in a fruitless fight. And so there's no fight left in us to direct toward him. It's a tactic. So we need to swap our taking a swipe, fighting by surrendering our fuzzy garments, our fleshly interpretations of what's going on, and our flesh weapons. And we learn to fight right by placing the helmet on our head and walking in faith. Believing that the scriptures are true and that they will lead us to the real enemy. Picking up the sword of the spirit and then learning to wield it. If we engage in fighting right, we become an impenetrable force. And we are assured of victory if we do so. Nothing can, def can defeat us. Not somebody or something on earth, not any force in a heavenly place. And no spiritual or earthly thing can defeat us. And this, brothers and sisters, is our inheritance. Shall we pray? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would raise up a mighty warrior, that you would take us with our fleshly weapons and our interpretations and our sense of safety that's found in other places other than you, and you would build us into mighty warriors, warriors who know how to hear the word, warriors who know how to pick up the sword, warriors who know how to wield the sword, warriors who, who know how to keep our helmet on and keep our protective garments on, warriors who know how to stand despite how the fight looks and how we feel about the fight. God, people whose feet are firmly planted on the rock, that we might be resilient and strong to accomplish all that you have called us to accomplish, that limitless place of walking hand in hand with you. Every barrier, falling to the ground, taking ground according to what you have laid out before us, the ground that you've laid out before us, that we might walk up and down in your name and that your name might be proclaimed in this earth. And so, Holy Spirit, for every heart that is open, We'd like to invite you in to teach us how to fight right and not take a swipe. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.